Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Hope that you all had a safe, fun, great New Year's Eve. As we close out the 2010s and begin the 2020s, everybody's talking about their fighter of the decade for the years of 2010 through 2019. Now, I've seen a lot of breakdowns on different websites and uh, publications all around the world. I've seen videos on YouTube and posts on Twitter and all that good stuff. And there's some good candidates, obviously. And a lot of people are saying that there's a runaway favorite for the fighter of the decade. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that it's actually pretty complicated and there is no clear-cut favorite. It depends on what you favor, what your preferences are. So I wanted to give a thorough, detailed breakdown of all the top fighters of the decade and give you guys my thoughts, give you more than just their record. Talk about the actual fights and some of the gray area in between the black and white. Some of the fine print, right? So let's start with the obvious first choice that everyone's talking about, Floyd Mayweather. Now, on the surface, Floyd is the guy. I mean, he accomplished great things. He was the premier fighter and the premier brand and attraction of his generation. But here's the thing. He didn't fight after 2015. Now, I get it. He fought Conor McGregor and he fought Tension, the the Japanese kid. But those were exhibition-style fights. They were kind of one-offs, brand-building, money-making type of things. And I don't blame him for taking those fights. They they were basically handing him tons of money. I mean, over $100 million. So I get why he did it. But they didn't add anything to his boxing legacy. Floyd, as a boxer, fought from 2010 to 2015, but 2016 through 2019, no fights. Nothing of significance anyway. The, uh, the fight against the Japanese kid was properly sanctioned as an exhibition fight, I do believe. And the fight against Conor McGregor should have been an exhibition fight. That should have never been officially sanctioned as a professional boxing match. So there's a, a, a major problem with Floyd right there. He basically fought half the decade. Right. But let's talk about the good and the not so good with Floyd. So for the decade, officially, he had 10 fights. If you include the McGregor fight, I don't. Not including the Conor McGregor fight. Floyd's record in the 2010s was 9-0 with one knockout. His lone knockout was against Victor Ortiz, who's not making anyone's Hall of Fame. So 9-0 for the decade. All right. Didn't fight 2016 to 2019, and again, I've, I've been over that, why I don't consider that McGregor fight an actual real fight. So, the good. And this is the stuff that a lot of people on social media these days really pay attention to. Pay-per-view numbers, purses, all that stuff. Floyd was not only the highest paid boxer, not only the highest paid martial artist, he was the highest paid athlete of the 2010s that is a significant accomplishment and there are people that will vote him as fighter of the decade just because of that just because of that now me particularly as a diehard boxing fan and everything i don't really give a shit about fighter purses and all that kind of stuff but a lot of people do so again that's a massive accomplishment that's huge that's that's i mean that cannot be understated that's a big deal Also, Floyd was in the highest grossing pay-per-view event of all time, obviously, his fight with Manny Pacquiao. And not just that, but four of the top five 
highest grossing pay-per-view events of all time. He was involved in four of the top five, whether it was the A side or B side, because I, I think uh, the one fight with Oscar De La Hoya, that was one of the top five. He's obviously the B side there. It doesn't matter. He was involved in four of the top five biggest fights ever in terms of pay-per-view buys, pay-per-view revenue. That is a significant accomplishment. Floyd single-handedly drove the pay-per-view price up from $50. Remember, they used to be 50 bucks a pop to $70. His fight against Canelo Alvarez bumped it up to 70 bucks. Might have been 75. And then he took it from there to 80 bucks and then he took it to $100. His fight against Pacquiao was $100. So Floyd, again, some fans out there don't like that about Floyd, but there are fans particularly on social media for some reason that really, really value this stuff very highly, that Floyd basically doubled the price of pay-per-view that you guys have to pay. Actually, back in the day, pay-per-views were like $39.95 for a long time, right? And Floyd was a big part in doubling that price. Now you guys are paying $80, $85 for every pay-per-view. Floyd did that. So financially, commercially, a massive success that undoubtedly would make him fighter of the decade if that's what you are uh, preferring or, or if that's your, your major criteria for where you rate fighters. Me, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I understand its significance, but I care more about the nuance of what's happening in the ring and your level of opposition and how often you fight. Floyd only fought nine times in the decade. Here's the not so good, okay? There's a lot of smoke and mirrors around Floyd, and he's not the only one. And I'm not saying this to criticize the dude unfairly. I'm just giving you guys the truth. This is the reality of the situation. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. We're talking about the 2010s here. I'm not talking about pretty boy Floyd. I'm talking about Money May, all right? Two different guys. In the 2010s, Floyd's best wins, okay, let's go over them. He had a win over Shane Mosley. That's a good quality win. However, that wasn't a prime Shane Mosley. That was uh, two years before Mosley ended up fighting Canelo Alvarez, but that was three years after Mosley had been beat clearly by Miguel Cotto. So Cotto had already kind of taken that scalp. Not that Mosley hadn't lost before, but I thought that was the still a prime version of Mosley that Cotto beat. He was past his best days when Floyd beat him. Still a good win, but there's that little asterisk, right? Miguel Cotto, who I just talked about. Floyd had a good victory over him, clear-cut victory. But again, that was three years after Cotto had fought Manny Pacquiao. Now, Manny Pacquiao did drain him a couple pounds, but people, got, you got to remember, uh, Cotto started at 140. And the fight against Pacquiao, I think, was like 144, 145. It was a catchweight. But still, Pacquiao stopped him. And it was four years after Margarito, Antonio Margarito, had stopped Cotto. Now, perhaps, we will never know 100% for certain, but perhaps there was something going on with Margarito's hand wraps in that fight. We don't know. There's suspicion, all this, that, the other. But Margarito did beat him. So, Koto had been softened up by some tough fights. There was also fights against Judah and other guys that had softened Koto up a little bit, and he had been stopped a couple times before Floyd beat him. So, again, just like with the Mosley win, good quality win, but there's a little asterisk next to it. The Canelo Alvarez win. 
which has aged well because Canelo's the guy in the sport right now, but there's a bunch of asterisks next to this win for Floyd. He beat Canelo when Canelo was 23 years old. He drained him two pounds. This fight was at junior middleweight, but Floyd forced him to weigh in at 152, drained him a couple pounds. 23 years old, very green Canelo still was, okay? He had only fought an older version of Shane Mosley, even older than the guy um, Floyd had beat, I do believe, and Austin Trout. Austin Trout, a decent fighter, a good quality level fighter. That was the best win, and he barely beat him of Canelo's career, his entire professional career before fighting Floyd. So to say he was green and not ready, that's an understatement. He wasn't ready for Floyd at that point. This version of Canelo Alvarez would fare very differently against a prime Floyd Mayweather. That'd be a very different fight. But at that time, this that was like going from high school football to the pros. That was like skipping over college and going to perfect to the NFL from high school football. That's what Canelo Alvarez did on that night. Or maybe he was a freshman in college and jumped right to the NFL. So a good win for Floyd. But again, I have to say, it's not as clear cut as you're being told by the networks and that all the propaganda machine and the hangers on in the media that like to get that press credential and keep access. They're not going to talk about those details and they do matter. So, again, I talked about the only knockout for Floyd. That was Victor Ortiz, right? Um, He didn't have these decisive, concussive knockouts. He wasn't overpowering guys. He was kind of having this safety-first type of uh, mentality, which kind of was how the top fighters of that generation fought. You think of Vladimir Klitschko, who I'll get to in a minute. Before him, you think of Bernard Hopkins. There's nothing wrong with that, just – from a stylistic standpoint, uh, Floyd, again, the only one stoppage, and that was against Victor Ortiz, and that was kind of a cheap shot, if you do remember. Floyd also never cleaned out any division, and that goes back to even Pretty Boy Floyd. He never cleaned out. You could make an argument he beat the, the top guys at 135, but he didn't clean out a division. He never unified titles. He never did that. Floyd bounced around in weight in these um, opportunistic matches, right? He, he moved guys up, moved guys down, made them fight in his backyard. And that's fine. When you're the top dog, you can do that kind of stuff. But when we're talking about fighter of the decade, I think it's worth mentioning those things. So Floyd also avoided some top challenges. There were legit top challenges, guys that people wanted to see him fight that I'm not going to say he ducked. I think that's unfair, but he avoided he waited guys out. The fight with Manny Pacquiao was five years too late. And I understand that the first year or two when the negotiations broke down, that was more on Team Pacquiao. But years two, three, four, five, that was more on Team Mayweather, why the negotiations broke down. And ultimately, we could talk about the IV gate and everything else. I'm not even going to go into that for the hundredth time. So there's plenty of not so good. And reasons why we can look at Floyd and say, you know, yeah, I understand why he's the top candidate, but he's not necessarily a runaway favorite here. Let's talk about the other guy everyone else is bringing up for fighter of the decade, Canelo Alvarez. I understand why a lot of people are bringing up Canelo's name. Compared to Floyd, who only had nine fights in the decade, Canelo had 25. Canelo's record was 23-1-1 one one 
with 14 knockouts. The first couple of years of the decade, he was still a prospect. And then he built himself into like a baby junior contender champion. And then the, or I should say title holder and then a champion. He's seen as a legit champion, one of the top five fighters in the sport right now, pound for pound. Some people think he's number one pound for pound, and you can make that argument. But 25 fights in the decade, that's significant. So again, let's talk about the good and the not so good. The good with Canelo. Decisive victories over Shane Mosley, Miguel Cotto, Amir Khan, Daniel Jacobs, Sergey Kovalev. The not so good. We start digging into those wins a little bit. Shane Mosley was 40 years old, an even older version than Floyd and Pacquiao had beat. He was 0-2-1, had not won in his last four fights coming into his fight with Canelo. That's the version of Mosley that Canelo beat. Remember, that was the biggest name on his resume by the time he fought Floyd Mayweather. So that puts in perspective Floyd's win over Canelo. But looking at Canelo's win over Mosley, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there too. His win over Cotto. Cotto was 35 years old. I talked about how he had been softened up, softened up by Margarito, by Pacquiao. He had also lost to Floyd and lost to Austin Trout by the time he fought Canelo Alvarez. So that win looks good, but there's some gray area there. Amir Khan, good fighter, but his best work was probably at 140. The fight with Canelo was at 155. Amir Khan had no business fighting anywhere above 147. So it looks good on paper. It was a hell of a knockout, knockout of the year contender. I I was ringside for that one. And holy shit, I felt that knockout. But there's a massive asterisk next to that win. Daniel Jacobs, all in all, all things considered, that might be, Canelo's least asterisked win, when you really think about it, of the decade. There's no controversy there. It was fought at Jacobs' best weight. Um, clear-cut victory. No, zero controversy with the scorecards, right? That might be his best win without any controversy. Now, he did get a W against Irislandi Lara, but that was a very controversial decision. He got officially one victory over Gennady Golovkin. That was a controversial decision. A lot of people felt Golovkin won the rematch. But even if you felt Canelo won the rematch, clearly he lost the first fight. It was given an absolute gift with that draw against Gennady Golovkin their first time around. And then there was the shutout loss to Floyd Mayweather. No harm there. Canelo is basically a glorified prospect with titles at that point because of the demographics involved and, you know, the business that involved Canelo already at that point. The sanctioning bodies had already jumped on and he had fought in some advantageous situations to him to get some titles early on. Not unlike guys we see right now like Gervonta Davis and others where they're – Davis is maybe a – a a baby contender right now, a junior contender, right? And he has a title. He's had multiple titles now in different weight classes. That's kind of the situation Canelo was in before because of the dollars he brought around. Um, Also, one victory I forgot to mention, Sergey Kovalev. Concussive, knockout of the year contender against Sergey Kovalev this year. Two weight classes above 
middleweight where Canelo really is truly campaigning right now is the middleweight champ, right? But Sergey Kovalev is 36 years old, an old 36, some hard living outside and inside the ring for Kovalev. In boxing years, he's about 46. KO'd by Andre Ward in their rematch. KO'd by Edladir Alvarez in their first fight. So he had been softened up plenty. And many feel that Canelo Alvarez was behind at the time of that stoppage in that fight. So there's plenty of good for Canelo. The good is that he's fought a lot of names. But the not so good is that when you start to look at what, what I call the business behind the business, the gray area in between the black and white, the fine print, whatever the hell you want to call it. When you start looking at that, there are plenty of asterisks next to those victories uh, and the draw against um, against Golovkin in their first fight. The one thing I've said about Canelo, he learned more about the business of boxing from Floyd Mayweather than he learned about actual fighting from Floyd Mayweather in the 12 rounds they spent together toward the beginning of the decade. He saw what Floyd did to him, Canelo has done to several other people from a business standpoint, establishment versus uh, not uh, anti-establishment, however you want to word it. He's been able to benefit from that after it was done to him by Floyd. And I think you see that when you start looking at the nuance of all his different uh, accomplishments. Still, highly accomplished fighter, last decade, and you can absolutely make an argument for Canelo. I would just argue against it. All right, so Vladimir Klitschko, you could certainly make an argument. And if this, if, if the decade were from 2006 to 2015, the two candidates would be Floyd and Vladimir Klitschko. Those would be the two guys, and actually Manny Pacquiao, sorry. Those would be the three guys, and that would be the end of the story. Because with Vladimir Klitschko, again, he didn't fight. Well, he fought once after 2015. And it was a great fight, but he lost. But when you look at Vlad for the decade, 13 fights, 11-2 with seven knockouts. But only one fight from 2016 to 2019. That was against Anthony Joshua. A great fight. One of the best fights overall of the decade. One of the best heavyweight fights we've seen in the last 50 years. But he lost. And as great of a fight as that was for Vlad to go out on, it was really a a torch-passing type of thing. It was the heavyweight version of what Nonito Donaire just did for Naoya Inoue earlier this year. Um, As much as it was all of that, Vlad was also involved in some of the shittiest fights of the decade, particularly some of the shittiest title fights of the decade. So, again, Vlad... Kind of a heavyweight version of Bernard Hopkins and Floyd Mayweather. The way that he could have absolute duds where he dominated and shut guys out, but it was agonizing to watch at times. So very effective, not necessarily scoring style points, though. The difference between Vlad and guys like Floyd and Hopkins, though, is he could also give you the good stuff. And he did score some highlight reel kind of knockouts and stoppages that you want to see from a heavyweight champ. So you kind of got this mixed bag with Vlad. It was always effective. It just wasn't always fun to watch. Okay, the good. Of all the candidates on this list that I'm going to give you guys, including Floyd and Canelo, Vlad is the only one that was 
a unified lineal champ in a division and cleaned it out for the better part of a decade. From 2010 to 2015, he was the guy at heavyweight. There was no other guy in the sport that was the man in their one division as much as Vlad was during the previous decade. So Vlad does hold that distinction over every other candidate. And that's why, again, it goes to what preferences you have, what criteria you rate above others. If what's most important to you is unifying titles and being the man and cleaning out a division and owning it, Vlad did that more than any other fighter in the last decade, including Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. He was that guy in the heavyweight division. So if that's what you rate, you can absolutely make an argument for Vlad, even though he wasn't the champion from 2016 to 2019, because he was the guy longer than anybody else on this list. From 2011 to 2015, that's uh, what four years there, Vlad held the lineal ring WBA, WBO, IBF, and IBO titles. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. He had dominant wins over David Hay, who is a quality good fighter, and Alexander Povetkin, who's still a very good top 10 heavyweight. That Povetkin win has aged well, in my opinion, considering everything Povetkin was doing behind the scenes and considering how dominant Vlad was, although it was a god-awful fight to watch. So that's all the good, the not-so-good. Vladimir was not able to grab the WBC title. His brother Vitaly, who was gone for four years, came back and held that title, I think from 2008 all the way to 2013. And when he vacated that title... The WBC, which had owned, or I'm sorry, Don King, who had owned the title before Vitaly came back, he bought that title back off of Suleiman and the WBC. The WBC had a relationship that goes back decades with Don King, and basically they sold him that title. Berman Stavern fought Chris Ariola for the vacant WBC title. Nobody in their right mind thought that either of those guys could contend with Klitschko. He would have KO'd both of them within seven or eight rounds. But the WBC, again, with their relationship with Don King, that went back for decades and involved millions of dollars. They've broken a lot of bread together. They sold down that title. And then Don sold that title with the BC to Al Heyman. The BC and the WBA have continued to do massive business with Al Heyman post-Don King. Right, Don King was the guy, now it's Heyman. So for political reasons, Vlad never got that WBC title. Now, um, there are people out there that feel that Vitaly was the superior Klitschko brother. You can make that argument. I don't think the argument holds water. And if you look at the resumes of the two Klitschko brothers, Vladimir's was on another stratosphere of Vitaly's, whose legacy pretty much is defined by a loss to Lennox Lewis. Vitaly's legacy isn't defined by any of his victories because, quite frankly, he didn't really beat any good fighters. His best win may have been Corey Sanders. Maybe it was a undefeated Chris Areola. That's probably it. So uh, he lost to Chris Bird, too, and Vladimir beat Bird twice. 
So uh, anyway, the not so good also, I talked about the boring style for Vlad. Uh, did not score a lot of style points. He also fought in a relatively weak heavyweight era. Is it as weak as some people make it out to be, particularly East Coast American old guard boxing media, the BWAA types? No. I, I think that those a lot of those guys disrespect the previous heavyweight era and ignorantly underrate many of the fighters. However... It was not a strong heavyweight era. It was nowhere near as good of an era as the 90s or the 70s, right? Was it the weakest ever? Absolutely not. It was much better than other heavyweight eras of the past, but it wasn't very good. It was pretty weak. So that's the not so good with Vlad. Okay, let's talk about Andre Ward. He's certainly a candidate. You can absolutely make an argument for him, but... I don't, I, there's just not enough there for me. Real briefly with Andre Ward, 11 fights in the decade. He went 11-0. He's, other than Floyd, he's the only guy in the decade to go undefeated. 11-0, only three knockouts in those 11 wins. Retired in 2017. So you're thinking, well, he fought from 2010 to 2017. That's most of the decade, so I'm cool with that. Here's the thing, though. Between 2012 and 2015... In that four-year span, he only fought three times. So the very middle of the decade, he basically was a semi-retired fighter and against fairly weak opposition. So that's the not-so-good. The good World Boxing Super Series winner. I think fighters that enter tournaments and win them, regardless if they have all the advantages, which Ward did or not, that matters. And I think that should be rated very highly. Uh, He was the legitimate champion both at super middleweight at one point after winning that tournament and at light heavyweight when he officially beat uh, Sergey Kovalev in their rematch. So before retiring, he became not just a titleist in two divisions, but the champion. He was the lineal, legitimate champion at super middleweight and light heavyweight. That's a significant accomplishment. More of the not so good. The first win over Sergey Kovalev was a gift. The overwhelming majority of the boxing industry believes Sergey Kovalev won that first fight, and I agree. I talked about a three-year span in the meet, the middle of the decade, or I'm sorry, a four-year span, where he only fought three times. That's not good. Limited opposition. Best win at 168 was obviously Carl Frotch. Best win at 175 was obviously Sergey Kovalev. In between those two victories, not much there. Not much there. Andre Ward avoided challenges for a lot of his career, a very carefully manicured, manufactured career. Highly accomplished, but plenty of holes in that resume and asterisks. Okay, Manny Pacquiao. This is an interesting candidate, Manny Pacquiao. Um, One thing that I should mention, this doesn't have anything to do with the 2010s. Well, it includes them, but as of now, We're talking, I'm recording this video January 2nd, 2020. Manny Pacquiao has held a world title, a legitimate world title in four different decades. That's amazing. The 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s, the 2020s. That is a significant accomplishment that puts him in very, very rarefied air. He's the only fighter to ever do that specific accomplishment, but that just puts him in a category of all-time greats that really do come around once a generation. Just a special fighter. 
In the 2010s, he was he had 16 fights. Officially, he had 12 wins and four losses, only one knockout, which again, people talk about Manny Pacquiao blowing out everybody north of 140, 147, and all these knockouts, and how does such a little guy get all these knockouts? He doesn't. It's a rumor. It's a myth created by Floyd Mayweather and, and the hype machine over there to delay making the fight with Manny for a while. Manny had one knockout last decade. One knockout in the 2010s. A lot of knockdowns, only one knockout. Let's talk about the good. World titles in four decades, I talked about that. Wins over Antonio Margarito. However, Margarito was coming off a loss to Shane Mosley. Wins over Shane Mosley, but that was a past prime Shane Mosley. Legitimate W's over a prime Timothy Bradley. When I think Tim will eventually get into the Hall of Fame. Those wins are going to age well for Manny. Also, his best win of the decade was probably this year. It was last year, I should say, in 2019 against Keith Thurman. That was an impressive victory. Officially, it was a split decision. It shouldn't have been. That was unanimous. He clearly won that fight. That was one of the best performances of the decade, all things considered, and probably Manny's best win of the 2010s. Damn impressive against an undefeated guy who, as an athlete, was in his physical prime. Maybe not his mental and emotional prime. Part of me wonders if Keith Thurman is semi-retired mentally and emotionally, but physically in his prime as an athlete and fighter. Okay, the not so good. I talked about not being the best versions of Margarito and Mosley, but also there was a controversial W against Juan Manuel Marquez in 2011. A lot, I think it was a majority decision. A lot of people feel that Manny lost that fight. For me, for my money, I thought he eked it out, but a lot of people feel that, felt that he lost that fight to Marquez. Also, a controversial loss to Timothy Bradley, and the Jeff Horn, a lot of people feel that Pacquiao, including myself, won that first fight against Bradley and beat Jeff Horn, deserved to get the decision, but officially those go in the books as losses. Also, the KO6 loss to Juan Manuel Marquez in 2012. Obviously, that was the low point of Manny Pacquiao's career and the low point of the decade for him, uh, and he's come back well from that, but that was a dominant loss. And then he completely laid an egg against Floyd Mayweather in 2015. Now, I know there are some radical extremist videos on the Internet trying to prove somehow that Pacquiao beat Floyd Mayweather. That's absolute bullshit. Floyd clearly won their fight. But it was a terrible fight that came five, six years too late. And a big part of that was because Pacquiao had a dud that night. He had two good rounds. The two most exciting parts of the fight were because of Manny. It's when he bothered, he kind of wobbled and hurt Floyd a little bit in some of the early rounds. But the second half of the fight, Manny was completely dominated, and he just looked lethargic, disinterested, um, just laid an egg on that night. And then um, his only knockout was over a completely shot past his prime Lucas Matisse, who was never a welterweight and should not have had a title. I think that was... One of the WBA's 5 billion titles. They're pretty pathetic. So that's Pacquiao's run in the 2010s. It's impressive, but I can't put Manny above Floyd. I don't even know if I could put him above Canelo, to be honest with you. I don't even know if I put him above Vladimir, to be honest with you, because of some of the issues there. 
his longevity is better than all those guys. And who knows what he might accomplish in 2020. We might be talking about him an even greater error than we do right now at the end of this year. Who knows? But I can't call him the fighter of the decade. Too many holes. All right, here's a, another candidate that um, I think a lot of people are overlooking. Gennady Golovkin. 24 fights in the 2010s. He was 22-1-1 officially with 22 knockouts. There's a lot of people out there who feel that he was 24-0 in the 2010s, but two decisions did not go his way. Let's talk about the good. Much like Vladimir Klitschko being the guy at heavyweight, Golovkin was seen as the guy at middleweight for a couple years. Now, he had not yet proven it. He had not yet proven it the way Vladimir did by winning all the titles and grabbing the lineage and all and, and beating the top contender. So he was seen as the guy, but he hadn't necessarily proven it yet. He hadn't gotten his opportunity yet. However, Triple G was seen as the premier middleweight in the world from 2015 to 2018. Basically, from the David Lemieux fight, that win, all the way through the rematch with Canelo Alvarez, Golovkin was kind of seen as the premier middleweight of the world. He was the guy in that division and to a certain extent did clean it out a little bit. At the time he cleaned it out, it was a weak division, but he did grab several of the titles. And then many people feel, including myself, that he clearly beat Canelo in that first fight. And that right there is what made him officially the guy. However, And by the way, I should mention, there were 18 stoppages in a row during that time, so there were style points. However, officially, that first fight with Canelo was a draw. Officially, that second fight with Canelo was a loss, okay? I truly, truly feel he was ripped off in the first fight. I also truly feel the second fight could have went either way. You can make an argument. Canelo won the rematch. I felt Triple G eked it out. But you can make an argument for Canelo in that second fight. All right. Also, and people don't talk about this enough, Golovkin's wins over Daniel Jacobs and Sergei Derevyanchenko were very close and, in some eyes, controversial. For my money, the knockdowns were the difference for Golovkin in those fights. I thought he beat Jacobs. I thought he beat Derevyanchenko. I felt they were very close fights, seven, five type of fights, but with the knockdowns and the way he closed those fights out, he did close stronger than Jacobs and Derevyanchenko. I thought he pulled them out. Yet all things considered, much like I talked about Canelo a minute ago, the only clear victory, the the best, I should say, clear cut victory, not controversial for Canelo in the 2010s probably was Daniel Jacobs you could probably say the same thing for Golovkin. And again, a lot of people do feel that there are a lot of people out there that thought Jacobs won. There are people out there that thought Derevyanchenko won. So what is Golovkin's clear cut, no controversy, best win of the 2010s? It's probably David Lemieux. Probably. All right. Um, Again, it should have been Canelo, in my opinion. He clearly won that fight. What's funny, there's less controversy, even among Golovkin detractors, with that first fight against Canelo, which was a draw, than there is with his wins over Jacobs and Derevyanchenko. That's interesting. Also, 
limited opposition for a lot of the decade for Golovkin. And that's not necessarily all on him. He was shut out by the promoters and by the WBA, the the disgustingness of the WBA uh, when he was in Germany. He wanted Felix Sturm. He wanted the top German fighters. They all flat out shamelessly ducked him. He wanted the best fighters when he came over here to America. Canelo Alvarez and Golden Boy Promotions pushed back and avoided the fight with Golovkin for 18 months or so. Remember, I should have mentioned this in the not-so-good for Canelo Alvarez. Canelo dumped the WBC middleweight title in the beginning of 2016 because he flat-out refused to fight Golovkin at that time. They waited him out another year and a half and let Golovkin wear himself down a little bit further before they fought him. Again, Canelo learned by watching what Floyd Mayweather did, and he's done some of those same things to other fighters. He's pulled that kind of stuff with Sergey Kovalev. He pulled it with Gennady Golovkin. He learned more about the business of boxing from Floyd than actual boxing from Floyd. So um, all those things do play a part. So I think Golovkin is a top contender, but because of the way officially those fights went against him with Canelo and because through no fault of his own, he was avoided by so many people in the middleweight division for so many years. You just can't call him the fighter of the decade. He comes up short, but certainly a contender. Let's talk about one contender that I think you can make a strong case for. I really, really think you can. This is the last one guys on my list. Roman Chocolatito. Gonzalez. Now, some of you out there might be cringing and you want to call me a boxing hipster and spit at the screen, but just hear me out for a second. All right. Of all the fighters on my list, Chocolatito had the most fights in the 2010s. He had 26 fights. Golovkin had 24, Canelo had 25. So if you rate the most active fighter, if that's what you rate, if that's your most important criteria, Chocolatito was the most active. He also, more than any other fighter in the 2010s, he fought in four different countries. I think that should matter. Also fought in four different divisions. I think that should matter. Won titles in four different divisions, right? So let's talk about the good. I mentioned some of them. But that decisive win over Juan Francisco Estrada in 2012 in Los Angeles I think has aged extremely well. Juan Francisco Estrada is still seen as one of the pound for pound top 10 fighters on the planet. Some people have him in the top five of their list, but universally seen as a top 10 guy. Chocolatito clearly decisively beat him in 2012. Okay. That was at 108. He then went on to win titles at 112 and then 115. That's a significant victory that I think falls under the radar of a lot of boxing fans and pundits. And just personally, that was in Los Angeles where I was living at the time. That was my first time seeing Chocolatito. I had some people on Twitter try to suggest recently that I didn't see Chocolatito at all until the last couple of years. I don't know where they get that from, but I actually saw Roman Gonzalez at that card. Brian Valoria was on that card too. But that was my first time to actually see him. And I was like, holy shit, this is a really, really good fighter. 
I also saw how good Juan Francisco Estrada was at that time too. But that is a victory that has aged very well. So the most active fighter might have the best victory pound for pound of all the fighters on this list. When you look at who he beat, how he beat him, when he beat him, that might be the best victory of any candidate on this list. Seriously, think about it. And four, uh, four countries, four different divisions. Now, the not so good. There was the controversial loss to Weeksak Sil, Wang Gek, or Swisaket uh, Sor Rungvi Sai, whichever you prefer, in their first fight. I was ringside for that fight, and I personally felt that even though Chocolatito got dropped in that fight, I felt he came back and went, won enough rounds to eke out that fight. But officially, it went down as a loss. And then there was nothing unofficial about the rematch. A bad knockout loss for Chocolatito uh, to Wangak in their rematch. Both of those losses were in 2017. He has come back since then and won a couple of fights against very, very limited opposition. So his resume from 2017 forward, pretty weak because officially two losses, one dominant knockout loss, and then 2018, 2019, he didn't fight anybody. So I get that. But the first seven years of the decade, it's hard to argue against what Chocolatito did and how that stacks up against these other fighters. It really, really is difficult to argue against that when you look at what he did. Uh, also, another thing, though, I should mention, they're not so good. Chocolatito never cleaned out or a division unified titles. He never did that. So, you know, if I mention that regarding Pacquiao, regarding Floyd, regarding Canelo, I have to mention it with, with uh, Chocolatito because, yes, four titles, four different divisions, but he never unified. He never cleaned out and owned a division and set up precedent there the way Golovkin's done, the way Klitschko did, the way Andre Ward did at super middleweight. I think those things matter. All right, guys, so in closing, it really comes down to what you value. If you value who was the guy who owned a division for the longest time and was the guy, and he not only was universally seen as the guy, but he proved it, he had the hardware, that's Vladimir Klitschko. Even though it was only for half the decade, that's more than any of these other guys did in that regard. So you'd probably give the nod to Vladimir Klitschko. If you favor who did the most in the most divisions, who was the most active in a pound-for-pound pound sense, who maybe had the best victory of the decade, all things considered, you might go for Chocolatito. When you look at who made the most money commercially, who was the guy? Floyd Mayweather. When you look at who had the best names overall on the resume, regardless of when he fought them, how he fought them, where they were at in their career, you can absolutely make an argument for Canelo Alvarez because there are a lot of names. He's fought a lot of top guys, including guys like Irislandi Lara that were avoided. So my honest belief, guys, is there's no clear-cut runaway favorite for fighter of the decade. There really isn't. It depends on what you prefer. It depends on what is important to you. These lists are subjective. I, I think people take it too seriously. They get way too passionate about it, and they get in these screaming contests with each other where they're yelling at each other in all cap tweets on Twitter. I don't think it's that damn serious. 
I think that what's most important is to recognize the top guys. And then let's have the discussion. And I think I did that pretty well here. I gave you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top fighters of the decade. I don't think there's any doubt that any of these seven men are not among the top most accomplished fighters of the 2010s for different reasons. And I gave you guys all those reasons. It's up to you to decide what criteria you value the most and which you know fighter you want to rate as the top guy. Um, I, I'm just going to leave it at that because that's how these conversations should be had. We shouldn't be saying, I'm right, you're wrong. No, man, let's talk about who you think are the top guys and why, and let's chop it up. So in the comments section, let me know what you guys think. Who out of these candidates is the top guy and why? Am I totally off base here? Is it Floyd Mayweather and then everybody else? Or is it not necessarily Floyd because of some of the things I said? Curious how you guys think about this. Is there anybody I'm missing? Is there anybody I'm missing? Let me know. If you're listening to this, I will, um, of course, this is on YouTube, but I will post the audio version on iTunes and everywhere else. So you can't comment there, but if you want to tweet me or whatever after listening to the audio of this and let me know what you thought of this rant and who you have as your fighter of the decade, please do so. All right, guys, uh, happy New Year's once again. Looking forward to some big, big things in 2020. I think it's going to be an outstanding year. I'll see you at the fights.